welcome, welcome. Children, adults, sit down, gather in a circle. Because right now, we have a nice bonus throwback episode for you. For the folks who've listened for a while, it's a trip down memory lane. For the fans new alike, here's a time to play catch up. We welcome you to a shock treatment with Mel and Marty in some throwback interview episodes from our past where we gladly, horrifically walk into the dark night to show you some interviews with Mick Strong, David Howard Thornton, Jeremy Palco and James Balsamo. Sit down, open your ears, and listen to this very special broadcast of shock treatment with Mel and Marty. Enjoy. <laughs> This episode here is with the great Mick Strawn, author of Behind the Screams, and also known for his uh, art directing work and special effects on films such as A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors, Candyman, Witchboard, Eight Heads in a Duffel Bag, Blade, Boogie Nights, and A Nightmare on Elm Street, Fawa. Enjoy! Due to an emergency, hey. but we got him now. I'm so excited. Hello, am, am I caller 15? Yes, you are, and you get. Oh, I win! Yes, you get. You win, all right. You get to talk to me again. Oh God! <laughs> uh, I mean, that's great. <laughs> have, have I been to Rhode Island before? I don't know. Have you? I, well, I haven't physically, but have I called in to the show before? Nope, not yet. This is the first time okay. for you. You're a virgin. <laughs> I'm sacrificing you tonight, Mick. Yeah, yeah, perfect. (laughs) Hey, it's not like I haven't been sacrificed before. And it won't be the last time. That's, well, you know, as things are going, yeah. (laughs) So I'm so excited. You have done set designs on some of my absolute favorite horror movies. Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3, Nightmare on Elm Street 4, Leatherface, Blade, Candyman, like... I could go on and on with this list, but we don't we don't have that much time. So, and and you also have a book out. You have a podcast. Like you do everything. Like, what is your favorite thing about what you do? What is my favorite thing about what I do? Um, uh, uh, it that it's not what everybody else does. There you go. Right. Hey. Yeah. Fair enough. It's a. Uh, that's right. You know, I can. I can <laughs> I could be 61 and walk down the street and go, I bet he doesn't have a podcast. I'll bet he didn't production design Nightmare on the Street 4. I'll bet she doesn't have a podcast either. And we have a friend of yours listening in tonight. He just messaged me, Blake Best. Oh! Hey, Blake, how you doing? <laughs> yep, he just messaged me to tell me he's listening to tonight's show. Like, oh, you have cool. no idea. I'm super excited. Like, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, that junkyard scene, how long did that take you to do? What 
did that entail? Because that is one of the, the best third, scenes. The third one or the fourth one? The third one. We'll, we'll start there and work our way up. Well, the third one was kind of minor, and, and uh, I think that it took us a couple of days to do that. And, and, and the funny thing about it is that once I walked away, <laughs> once I walked away from it, uh, and, and you have to understand that California doesn't have junky-looking junkyards, you know? California is has this uh, these racks that uh, hold two cars, and that's it. It's because of the earthquakes, right? Yep. You know, if you go out of California, you know they, you know, cars are stacked all over the place. It's pretty common, but they can't do it in California because of the because of the earthquakes. And so, in, in order to do something like that, you have to um, you have to really, really work at it you have to weld things together and you have to cable things and and you have safety people down your butt and all the rest of that and still you have to be aesthetic about the whole thing you know i mean i i can i can't build something like that and stack a bunch of honda and hondas and subarus right no not at all no that wouldn't work exactly you know you you, you need to be classic and you, you need to do this just the right way. So then we went from Nightmare on Street three, and we did it. And I, I thought at the time, wow, that's that's uh, that's really cool. I I, I love the, the nature of it. You know, the nature of designing with actual cars. And uh, and uh, almost immediately at the end of three, we knew we were going to do four. And I and I talked to the writers and I said, we we need to blow this sucker out. <laughs> We need to go crazy, <laughs> and and we did. Definitely. We uh, now now on on the next one, I'm in Elm Street Four. We cleared an anchor next to an auto parts store, and we bought the whole store. We bought everything, all the cars that were in it, <laughs> wow. and we we dug a ditch to put the crack in the, in the ground in, and we we lowered that set in, and then we. Uh, then I had a really specific model because we were we were very short of time, and and the model made it so that we could do uh, the set itself at the same time that we kind of did the optical model because they were both based on the same layout of cars, and um, yeah, that's uh, so. And, how many and, people and, did you have on your crew at any given time to get that scene filmed? Well, on that one there, uh, I probably had 20 people working for six, seven weeks. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was quite we – had, we had virtually every load lifter, crane. Uh, we, we dealt with uh, 297-something cars, um, and, and we had uh, load lifters, and uh, we had equipment. And, and, you know, it never rains in Southern California unless you start doing something like that. And then it sinks down and it just pours on your ass for two weeks. So so that just makes so, things a lot more interesting while you're doing it. Oh, it just became an enormous pit. Uh, the, uh, it, also, it's, the place that we did it was built on an old dump site. And the dump site was uh, not, uh, what would you call it? It's not... not uh, geologically stable oh, so that when we, got, when we got done and we took the metal plates off of the set that we had set in the ground you know the, the crack in the earth right yeah um it had smashed itself it was it was 
it it, it 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 went in originally at 40 feet long and and eight by 10 and um when uh we opened it up it was about the size of a volkswagen van so, oh wow <laughs> so <laughs> big difference we had the yeah a big difference so we had to yank that sucker out of the ground and build one uh out of uh this in you know four inch uh thick wall steel and 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 then dig it out and put it back in the ground again. So uh, it was a con- it was a slippery, slidey. You know, uh, you could always tell when I had been out there uh, d- directing things because you know I, I, I just was grease from one end to the other. <laughs> <laughs> so you your book came out back in August, correct? Behind the screams. It did. Okay. What was your inspiration to write this book? Uh. Yeah, I can tell you the truth. I that to me was one of the uh, it was one of the uh, just most amazing. First of all, I've I've been in a lot of I don't know how uh, I call it zealot like, but I I seem to have been in a lot of places that that are now popular. <laughs> but but that particular one is that is where you had the biggest group of people doing the most amazing things. Uh, and all kind of working with each other, not a great deal of battles one way or the other, other than tight, other than the basics of battling the time and the money. And, and, and we were huge. And what we didn't know was that we probably were at the very end of an era that had, uh, started at the beginning of film and, uh, and come all the way up to that, to that period. Um, because let's face it, by the time you got to the late '90s, you didn't build big things anymore. Uh, cameras weren't huge. Uh, <laughs> everything changed, you know. Yeah. What do you I, do? I, you like the old style of filming better, or do you like the new style of filming better? Um, I, oof, boy. See, or do they? Or is it kind of like a double-edged sword where? It's a, you know what? It's a double-edged sword. The, th- the thing that you have to remember is that uh, I, I kind of think of it this way. It's, this is a – we're at a 100-year restart. Um, if you look back and, and realize that the distribution system uh, and distribution and the cameras and everything had just – were just being you know perfected. Uh, between say 1918 and 1938, right? I mean, you got color and you got sound and you got all these, you know, all these different elements. Um, and and we were at that time in the 80s, we were working with the pinnacle of of all of those techniques. But at the same time, anybody, none of them were new. Uh, you know, everything that we did had been done since at least the 30s, right? Yeah. So, um, and, and done in pretty much the same way. Uh, and and I'm kind of like making the, the argument overall is that we're in about that same position right now. You have all the tools have been redone from scratch. The distribution system has basically been thrown out the window and, and, and we're starting new and fresh. Wow. So, so I, I mean, it, 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 if you don't see it, 
let's put it this way. I have a phone. Um, I have an iPhone. I, I can take it out of my uh, pocket, and I have probably as many tools in that iPhone as would cost us half a million dollars to get onto a set in 1988. Yeah, true. Very true. We're, we're already running out of time. I can't believe this went by this quick. Um, what? Uh, yeah, like seriously. <laughs> I would love to have you come back on as a guest again, if you don't mind. And so we can. Uh, hey, wait a minute. I know, I know. I just, I just got started. I know you did, and I, I, that's why this is killing me right now. But how can people find you on social media, Mick? Okay, you know what? Uh, you can always uh, you can always come to my Facebook, Mick Scron. Um, I. Uh, you can send me an email at mqmiq3 at gmail.com. Um, I'm on uh, Twitter. I'm, I'm, you know, on Instagram. Um, pretty easy to find out there. If you want to buy my book, you need to go to Behind the Screams Book and dot uh, com, and uh, you can get it. Uh, you can actually get a PDF of it, or you can go ahead and buy a hard copy. Uh, the PDFs are great because everything's in color, and it's and it's quite a visual combination. Um, and uh, yeah, that's that's how you can get a hold of me. Wow, this is just this is all too short. I know, very Mick. I thank you so much for taking time thank out of your you. day to join us on our show tonight. Oh, we'll see you guys. Yeah, definitely. And next up is our illustrious interview with the one and only man behind Art the Clown himself. David Howard Thornton. I'm good. How are you doing? I am fantastic. Thank you so much for calling in tonight. Oh, you're welcome. No problem. <laughs> I I gotta Just say, had a cat jump in my lap. I'm like, ow. <laughs> oh, that's okay. We have one, you know, doing the same thing to us. So, I gotta say, I don't even like clowns, and. The character of Art the Clown made me realize why I don't like clowns. <laughs> oh, why's that? Oh, because he's just slightly scary, that's all. So, ah, just a little bit. Yeah. So, you're known for stage, film, and voiceover work. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. how did you get into all of this? Like, what was your goal when you started out in this? Oh, wow. Like, I mean, I, I started off doing, like, community theater and all that way, way back in the day. But, like, when I moved up here to New York, I, I came up here more with the idea to go into, like, you know, stage musicals and stuff like that, Broadway. And and I just kind of segued into doing some voiceover stuff as well because I, I found some classes. I was like, oh, that sounds like fun. So got into doing that, and it just kind of just kept snowballing from there. I was like, oh, whatever the road took me, I, I went. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. So yeah, I saw that you landed you landed the role of Art the Clown after pantomiming decapitating a stranger. Like, what was going <laughs> through your head to get into that mode to do that audition? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I was just, you know, because they didn't give me any prep time with that. They're just like, okay, just you know, come up with a scene where you decapitate a guy and go. And I'm like, oh. Okay, so all of that just came out of my head, and I was like, oh, man, I need to go to a therapist or something. <laughs> yeah, because I saw the video. I think um, Dread Central had posted your interview, your, your audition, 
And I'm looking, I'm watching this, and I'm like, wow, he's just as scary without the makeup on doing this. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. So like, that's not something I normally do. I'm like, where did this come from? <laughs> you had some deep, dark-rooted issues that day. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I guess so. <laughs> now, I know... I guess it comes from uh, frustration of auditioning for so many other things, and it was not getting cast. It was like, oh, I'm just in that kind of place in mind or something. So is this considered, like, your yeah. breakout role? I, I think so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I used to, like, like for film, I would say breakout role, yeah. I, I, I toured with, like, uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the musical, for five years. But, yeah, I think this was, would be more of what people would know me for now instead of playing Grandpa Who. <laughs> I mean, they everybody's saying that you're – the horror icon of the 21st century. How do you feel about getting that title? That's crazy. It's, <laughs> that's, it's, that's really mind-blowing to me right now because it's like we didn't expect any of that going into this. We just wanted to make a fun film for ourselves and for the fans at All Hallows' Eve. So we were trying to be realistic because we know there were so many other films that were releasing that were had much bigger budgets and you know had studios behind them. So we... We were trying to be realistic. We we're like, yeah, you know, maybe a few people will watch us, but who knows? So it's, it's definitely beat all of our expectations by far. How everybody's responded to this? Well, I guess that's a really good thing, considering the second script has been finished. So, well, obviously, yeah. I'm hoping that you're coming back to play Art the Clown again. Oh, of course. <laughs> I'm like, I'll keep playing him as long as they want me to. I, I love the character; so much fun. I, I think you're. Like, I've seen All Hallows' Eve, and I I don't know, just, just something about the way you portrayed him, it was just, he's just so much scarier. Like, after the first time I watched Terrifier, I literally had nightmares. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry? <laughs> <laughs> so I have a quick question for you. Are you going to be coming sure. to any conventions up in, like, the Northeast area? Ah, uh, let's see. I'm trying to think. I'm that you can so confirm? <laughs> Yeah, I'm, oh, I'm going to be down in um, New Jersey at uh, Atlantic City, I think. The showboat? Yeah, yeah, I'll be there. I'll be on at, at that convention. Wow. And, you know, I think we're trying to get me some other ones as well. I'm, I'm going all over the, the U.S. this year. I'm like, just between January and June, I'm doing 10 conventions. It's It's been cool. it's been crazy. I just got back from Canada. <laughs> oh, wow, that's awesome. I, well, yeah, I hope you yeah. get to, to come to one that's up in this area so we actually can, like, meet face-to-face. Yeah. That would be that would be awesome. Oh, definitely, definitely, definitely. Uh, I, I'm happy to go wherever they want me to go. <laughs> I think we're it's getting... It's great to be able to travel that way. Our time is already coming to an end at this segment already. I'm so bummed. How can, oh, no. How can your fans find you? I would say the um, best way to find me is like on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook under some variation of David Howard Thornton. I think like Twitter, I'm David H. Thornton, but the other ones, I'm David Howard Thornton. Well, I thank you for taking time out of your day and yes. coming on our show tonight. And I would love to have oh, you yeah. back again when Terrifier 2 is wrapped so you can do a little promo for it. Oh, definitely, definitely. I would love to. Um, thanks so much for having me on as well. Well, thank you thank so you. much for coming on. Ah, oh, you're welcome. You're very welcome. You guys take care, all right? All right, you thank you. You have one. a great night. All right, you too. Bye. 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 That was the great David Howard Thornton.
And uh, we're hoping to get them back on to talk about Terrifier 2. Uh, next up is actor extraordinaire Jeremy Palco, known for projects such as The Walking Dead, Bloodline, The Vampire Diaries, and Never Back Down. That's how are you tonight? I'm good, thank you. Sorry about that, but you know, things happen we had no control over. Totally okay. <laughs> so, I've had the pleasure of meeting you several times, and you are always so fantastic with all of your fans. How has being part of The Walking Dead changed everything for you? Um, I mean, changed... I mean, everything is great, obviously, but, I mean, The Walking Dead just proves that, like, you know, like, persistence and, and the effect on the business of acting that, you know, good things can happen if you just kind of stick with it. So that's the one thing it's kind of taught me is, like, you know, I'm, I'm doing something right. I'm on the right track. Yeah. Um, so how did you initially get your start in acting? Like, was this what you set out to do, or did you have other uh, things not, that you were doing? Not really. Not really. I'm kind of one of those typical kind of jock stories um in high school i was pursuing you know athletics i was pretty decent in, in baseball and football and i thought i was going to go on to do you know college athletics and um kind of tore out my knee in high school and it kind of limited my choices in the colleges i went to and in college i tore my other knee doing another sport and, um kind of found my first acting class and that's uh that's actually where it started yeah college when i got hurt so now you've done a lot of different series you've done a lot of different shorts is there, is there a type that you prefer to do do you like doing the series like i loved bloodline i wish you had been in it a little more than you were um yeah that was like a really great show and i was kind of bummed when it ended yeah florida kind of ran out of money they had this thing called tax incentives in the, the film community we tried so hard to get you know film work down there and that show was so great I remember overhearing that they wanted to go, I think, five or six seasons, and then in season three, the money kind of ran out. So, I mean, I mean, you make your own decision, but I kind of feel like they kind of rushed the bottom part of three. Um, but, no, it's such a, such a great show and fun to be a part of. Now, like, there was some really great cast members. Like, you got to work with Sissy Spacek. Like, how is – she's like an icon. How did you feel working with her? Well, I got to meet Sissy Spacek, let's just say that. I never got to work with her, per se. Like, I didn't have any scenes or dialogue with her, but um, I do remember meeting her, and I was just kind of blown away, because I remember way back in college having studied um, one of the films she was in, Carrie, which everyone knows, but, yeah, kind of meeting her was really nice. But I was a big fan of Kyle Chandler from um, Friday Night Lights, so I was really more excited to meet him. Yeah, that's more up, that's more up your alley with the sports stuff. Well, it's funny, funny enough, I got into Friday Night Lights, like, years later, like way past my sporting days, so it was kind of weird. I fell on that show, and it kind of reminded me of high school. Um, maybe not that dramatic, but definitely reminded me. Now, with all these conventions you do, like, you're always traveling. Like, you post some great pictures. With all these conventions that you go to and attend, is there anybody that you've met that you've been, like, totally, like, you've totally fanboyed out over? Oh, oh yeah. Um, I think the first time, actually, I can think of two really specific times. Like, my very first convention I ever did, I was sitting next to Ryan Hurst. Um, 
know, one of my favorite shows is Sons of Anarchy. So that was definitely a fangirl moment. And then, like, years later, I had done a um, – actually, last year I met Kiefer Sutherland. And that one, I'm, I don't remember what I said to him. I was just so thrilled to meet him. Yeah, that that, that I, I didn't mean. I mean, Jack that. Bauer. That's what I saw. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you have any upcoming projects that you're working on, or that you want to talk about, or can talk about? Um, I mean, I never want to jinx myself, but there's a couple auditions that I just had, which are pretty. I'm pretty excited about. Uh, I just did actually one of those murder mystery kind of reenactment shows, mm. um, which I never thought I. would want to do but i got called and i didn't even have to audition for it so it was kind of flattering that they literally just called me and asked me if i wanted to do it so i did four days on that and i got to well i shouldn't say i got to but you know when you reenact you know actually actually happened in real life it's a little more somber but you know i played the killer in this episode um and then i did one episode of the passage which is on fox and that should be coming out in march um, other than that, just uh, I'm writing a script, which is cool. I'm pretty excited. I'm kind of stuck right now, but uh, writer's block. Tons of fun. Yeah, it's true. Did uh, did in college, did any of your friends give you a hard time when you jumped from the athletics to the theater? You know what? They actually did. I remember my very first class. It was a monologue class, and to you know to kind of finish out the uh, the course, you have to you know perform a monologue of like two or like three to five minutes. And I remember being just utterly terrified. And my roommates, I had five of them, because we had this, like, huge house. Um, they all came, and they were all sitting in the back row. And, you know, I you know, did what I had to do, but at the end, they were just like, man, we never saw the side of you. And they, you know, they were very cool about it, so. You think the theater was more intense than the field, you know, as far as nerves and such? Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I tell anybody, like, actors or not, like, if you really want to, you know, break out of that quote-unquote bubble of yours, go take an acting class. It's yeah. just the most terrifying and amazing experience you can have. So I want to ask you something, and it's, I, I, I found it kind of funny. I don't – how Uh-oh. did you end up playing Eminem? Like, how did you Oh, my God, you saw it. Yeah, the 10-year <laughs> talent thing. I, I was trying to find the most obscure photo I could find. And, uh, now, there's this like, great show at Universal Studios, Florida, called – uh, well, it was actually part of Halloween Horror Nights, but it was a show called The Bill and Ted Show. And it had this, like, great 25-year run where it's just like a live spoof, almost like a live Family Guy show, uh, but based off of the Bill and Ted characters that travel, you know, in time. And so each year they would kidnap and ransom, not kidnap, but, like, they would, you know, take these characters to try to solve whatever problem was in the show. And so because of that, I'd done it for so long, I got to play so many characters. And one of them was Eminem. So... Uh, I had some dance moves. That's all I remember. But I was just gonna say, did you get to rap or did you just dance? <laughs> um, well, I came out on stage and I had, you know, I was dressed like Eminem and you know I lip synced obviously because I had like five characters I was playing in that show. That so, was one of them. And I remember I had I got some like you know, like cast award, you know, like Entertainer of the Week. Everyone kind of got it. And that was the week I got it, and I had to go out and pose on the stage for this photo. And uh, lo and behold, it followed me ten years later. <laughs> So now that that, that, exactly. uh, that leads me to another question. The next time you are local, I want you to come out to karaoke with me and oh, sing an Eminem song with me. <laughs> I'll have to do my homework. There's a, you know, he, he, he raps a little too fast for me. Ah, uh, you can do like, it. That's when you just start moving your, you just start moving your hands and kind of mumble the words. 
try to keep up, but it's, you know, <laughs> it's not easy. We could throw you in a blonde wig and some, you know, baggy jeans and... You got it. You could act. Yeah. Well, as long as you're paying me, I guess. Here, pull a top gun. <laughs> it's karaoke, bro. <laughs> Right. Give you a couple of drinks, you'll be good to go. Oh my god, it'd be horrible. (laughs) (laughs) Are there any local conventions this year that you'll be coming to? Will we be able to see Uh, your face this year? I don't really know. Like, uh, I feel like the concert has kind of changed, you know, year by year. This year, it seems like, you know, they wanted the bigger acts. They want the the everyone at Marvel basically is going to be there. You know, Game of Thrones is coming back, so they're taking over. I know we have Con. Uh, in London, we were going to do, and they were kind of on the fence. And now that all these new characters came out, and, you know, on The Walking Dead and on, you know, the Game of Thrones coming back, that they basically sold out for that. So that they were they were kind enough to let us know we weren't coming. But no, I'll be uh, I'll be doing some local ones uh, here in Sonoya, Georgia. Um, you know, where they filmed The Walking Dead, obviously, and then probably a couple in I think a lot of Colorado and possibly Guatemala. So mm. that's wow. cool. Yeah. yeah. And, no. and Stacy, my manager, I trust. So. I, did, I heard him correctly, right? He did say Guatemala. Guatemala, yeah, that got cut. Uh, yeah, Guatemala. That's where my mom was from. <laughs> so that's just kind of oh, funny. Shoot. Yeah, that's just kind of funny to hear that you're gonna go there to do a show. Like you don't usually hear maybe, about maybe, stuff like we'll that. See. That's where we'll my see. wallet's from, too. <laughs> that's where like a lot of my stuff is from. <laughs> 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 Got to represent that side of me. <laughs> yeah. But. How can your fans find you on social media? Uh, I pretty much stick to the Instagram and Twitter. Uh, I think Facebook's just really annoying these days with ads and politics and everything. So I, I pretty much stick to Twitter and Instagram. It's just at Jeremy Palco. Um, I run my own page, which I found out is not what a lot of people do anymore. Like People pay people to update what that person's thinking. I think it's the stupidest thing on the planet. Well, that's what I like about you. You like... You literally, you really do. You take the time and effort to connect with each and every fan, and most people don't do that. And that I think that's what separates you from the rest. Oh, I appreciate that. It was like a that guilt trip. Like I recently had my birthday, and like everyone was kind enough to go on and you know spend a second of the day to wish me happy birthday, and you know I appreciate that. So that night, I, you know, I kind of just scrolled through, and I feel like just clicking like and response is very, you know. Not personal, so I try to write thank you to everybody, but I'm not a popular kid by any means, but once you get over, like, 30, you know, people commenting, it just becomes too much. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, I think you'll spend your whole day thanking everybody. You? And I'm too busy eating uh, hibachi. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Jeremy, considering we had a little bit of technical difficulties, I know, you know, we've probably taken away from your night. I don't know what else you've had planned tonight, so I really thank you for taking the time out and coming on the show yes oh no i appreciate you guys you know that means a lot you know i know it took me a little bit to actually you know finally go up and meet you but <laughs> hey that's what friends are for so yeah and i appreciate that more than you know um. but i think our time is getting ready to come to a close so again i thank you, you... you still there <laughs> yep there you go no, I was going to say, well, I appreciate you guys, and I hope you guys have a great night. Uh, yeah, thank, thank you. You, you too, Jeremy. All right, we'll talk right. to you soon. Yeah, definitely.
That was a great interview with Jeremy. Next up is a friend of the show, James Belsamo, an actor extraordinaire known for films like Cannibal Hookers. He's done a few films with Boombastic Films. He did Insomniac in the Groundhog film. He was also in the much-talked-about much new slasher film Hanukkah and also in Richard Elfman's Aliens, Clown, and Geeks and a writer-director in his own right known for films like I Spill Your Guts, Bite School, Catch of the Day, Cool as Hell, and The Lich. So without further ado, the one and only James Jimmy. Balsamo. Me too. Hey, you want to hear jokes? Sure. Do you know why snails don't get jokes? Why? Because they're a little slow. <laughs> hey, it's all right. I told that about me now. That's right. I told that for the shell of it. <laughs> That's why I love you. Bad puns all day, every day. All day, every day. So, there's so much that I've yet to learn about you. I was getting ready to start talking about how crazy some of your movies are, how funny they are. Like, what made you get into making movies? How did and how did Acid Bath get started? Sure. Uh, well, it was a long, arduous journey. I started when I was about eight years old. I started going to acting school, and all I wanted to do was make horror movies. But I didn't know anybody that made horror movies. So it wasn't until I was in college that I figured I could go to film school and make my own movie. And uh, my first film got picked up for worldwide distribution uh, all over the Canada, the Canada, you know how they say it, the Canada, and uh, the U.S. And uh, here we are today, almost eight years later, and uh, ten feature films later with worldwide distribution. Talking to you, what a crazy journey that led me to this interview. Which I don't mind. Like, I know you do a lot of conventions, and you're, like, one of the best people for someone that is new to the convention scene to approach because you're just so warm, crazy, and welcoming that, you know, you'll make anybody feel at ease. So do you have any more conventions coming up this year, or are you done for the year? Uh, so I'm actually in production for four feature films uh, right now. And I am done touring right now, but uh, next year my first show is in February at Mad Monster Party in Charlotte. So uh, be sure to go to Mad Monster Party. It's going to be a real party. And uh, you can always check the website, AfterDeathProductions.com, to see where it's I love touring. I love meeting the fans, and that's what it's all about. It's all about uh, you know people going, hey, I love that movie, where you're like, whoa. And I'm like, yep. That's me. Well, that's kind of how we linked up because I was trying desperately to be killed in one of your movies for that raffle you had going. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, I know you've got. A, you said you have a few productions going on right now, and mm -hmm. I just want to know how do you get the people that you get into your movies because you got such a crazy cast in your movies. It's ridiculous. Like there is no there is no one in your movies that isn't recognizable. Uh, well, thank you. What I usually do is I go up to a celebrity and I uh, tell them that I've kidnapped a loved one if they ever want to see them again, that they have to do a cameo on my movie, and that's usually uh, what I do. So this week alone, I filmed with Eric Roberts, 
and uh, Ola Ray, she's a girl in the Thriller music video, and uh, legendary Dick Miller Ooh. came out of retirement to be in a movie that I'm the associate producer on called Hanukkah, and uh, the premiere, the world premieres at the Chinese Theater, uh, the famous Hollywood Chinese Theater, this Saturday, December 8th, so... If you're in Hollywood, or you're in L.A., or if you want to fly out, there's still time. Hanukkah, it's got Sid Haig in it, Caroline Williams from Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, and me. What's cooler than that? And uh, Harry Manfrediti scored it. He's the guy that did the Friday 13th uh, soundtrack, so it's, it's going to be amazing. I really wish I could get out to L.A. to see this, So, but I, I, I get a screener copy, right? Of course. <laughs> got to use my pulse somehow. I can't get That's out right. to the, play with the big boys. That's right. Hanukkah, it's the first Jewish slasher film. You know what they say, from the dreidel to the grave. <laughs> Which is good. That's because funny it's... any way you spin it. Hey. <laughs> Maddie, is there anything you want to ask James? Um, out, of, uh, out of all the films that you've directed, uh, is there any one that you like uh, particularly more than the others? No, they're all my children. Yes. I'm like uh, Freddy Krueger. They're all my children now. So each one has something different and special about it. And, you know, I, I love them all. You know, they all have crazy monsters and nudity and uh, wacky cameos. So they're all, they're all a bundle of laughs. And uh, actually, I had three new movies come out in Best Buy this week. Uh, Catch of the Day, which has Jason Hughes, you know, James Silent Bob. Uh, Tony Todd and Jake the Snake Roberts is in that one. And uh, I Spill Your Guts came out. that has got Lloyd Kaufman and Lowry and Debbie Rashawn in it. And uh, the director's got a cool as hell with Tom Savini, David Knott from American Wear Open London. And so I'm finishing Cool as Hell 2 as we speak. Cool. As hell. As hell. There now, you go. <laughs> we're, we're planning All on having a contest tonight, and you so kindly said that you would throw in a copy of the lich for whoever our winner is um is there anywhere everybody else can get the lich sure the lich is uh, on sale at aspathproductions.com it's also on sale at walmart and uh, other major dvd chains like barnes and noble and uh places like that but uh, uh if you want to win a copy of the lich the first caller in do you guys have callers in I don't think so, um, just because there's like usually there's an issue with the Skype, especially when the weather's crappy here, which it is. It's pouring out, yeah. so uh-huh. I'm kind of going to do this a little differently. This way, we can get some uh, likes onto your page and our pages as well. Sure. You know, I'm going to plug. All right. So tonight's winner to win a copy of the Lich, you have to like all three of these pages, and we will be checking. You have to like the Acid Bath Productions page on Facebook, the Shock Treatment with Mel and Maddie page on Facebook, and the 990 WBOB Facebook on Facebook. The first person that completes all three of those and messages us, and like I said, we will check, will win a copy of The Lich. But also because I know not everybody's probably going to be able to listen to this tonight because I have, you know, I know a lot of our listeners are second shift or whatever. We're going to do it on December 1st and give away the copy. So that way, once the past cast airs, that'll give those listeners a chance as well to get in on the fun and, you know, win something. Does that sound good for everybody? 
Sounds good to me. Yeah, and, and everybody gets and, promoted. And also, if anybody's going to be in New York, we're doing a Hanukkah premiere in New York City at the Cutting Room uh, December 8th. So I'll be there, and hopefully Sid Hague will be there. So it should be a real party. You know, so, that really makes me want to run away and call out of work sick for a few days because you said the magic words for me. It's only a four-hour yeah. drive. He said Sid Hague. we know how much i love sid so you know anything for a road trip to see sid all right that's right so i don't know how like when you make these movies up like what is your inspiration for the crazy characters that are in some of your movies oh life i draw from all life i've been on so many wacky adventures myself and you know humans our characters. Everybody's a character. Everybody's got a quirk. And, uh, you know, I love to exploit that and make it humorous because everybody's fun and silly in their own way. And the nudity, that's definitely a fun aspect of it because that draws the male viewers in. You know, everybody loves a little bit of TNA. Yeah. Oh, yes. And there's uh, some full frontal male nudity in most mm. of my films. So, gender I'm, equality. I must know? have blinked. Because I don't remember seeing it, and I've seen a few of your movies. <laughs> yeah. See what happens when you blink watching a movie. Or get Never a blink. Or if you're a stoner and watch one of them. Who was uh, the first cameo that you ever had in one of your films, shooting-wise, that you ever worked oh, with? Oh, Debbie, Debbie Rashawn. I was an intern at Trauma, and they were filming some kind of documentary of her as a scream queen. And I was 19, and I said, um, excuse me, Miss Debbie Rashawn, I'm a big fan. Would you um, want to do a cameo in my movie? And, like, I, <laughs> I, this was before I went to film school. I didn't know anything about making a movie. And she was like, yeah, I'd love to. So Debbie was great. And a uh, funny story, Debbie Rashawn uh, wore this, like, silver robe and, like, nothing underneath it. And she was like, I, I could do a topless you want and i was like no that's okay <laughs> like debbie rashawn totally offered to be topless and i was like no i i'm an artist i'm i i don't need nudity in my films and then lloyd coffin smacked me upside the head and was like what is wrong with you i was just gonna you ask you the same question <laughs> what did you say i was just gonna ask you the same question what's wrong with you and it like debbie rashawn no, I know. agrees I, to I go topless and, and really shy and Debbie Rashawn is still so gorgeous, you know, and I had seen her uh, work, to say the least. So <laughs> I, I was amazed that I even had the courage to ask her to do a cameo. And then when she was like, sure, I'll take my top off, I was like, no, no. I just was trying to be, you know, uber tasteful before I became the <laughs> uh, exploitation dynamo that I am today. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> we're rolling. Take your top off. No, no, you too. I'm the camera person. Yeah, yeah, take your job off. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Now, like like I said, you get some phenomenal people to do cameos in your movies. And uh-huh. I, I know it's not, like, really professional to, like, pick a favorite, but who do you enjoy working with the most of everybody you've had in your movies that have done a cameo? Oh, uh, lead singer of Suffocation, Frank Mullen, uh, has become a good friend of mine over the years. He's... He's in almost every movie I've done to date, and I just saw him when he came to L.A. a few weeks ago, and he did his final tour. 
said that he, he retired from suffocation to do more films. So I'm happy to say that uh, I helped ruin suffocation. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> now, you also said you've got some movies coming out that you're working on. Is there anything other than the Hanukkah movie and Cool as Hell 2 that are either coming out or in production, ready to come out, that you want to mention? Yes. So uh, that movie that I mentioned earlier with Eric Roberts and Ola Ray, it also uh, features Troy Froman from Saved by the Bell and Felissa Rose from Sleepaway Camp. It's called It Wants Blood. And uh, it's about a politician who gets his power from a beast in a pit. Going political. I know, it's the pits. Right? I didn't think I'd ever see a movie where politics got brought in by him. Oh, I know. So, James, how can people uh, find you on uh, social media? Uh, Add me on Facebook, James Balsamo. Follow me on Twitter, at AdSassProductions. Find me on Instagram, at James Balsamo, or follow AdSassProductions. I want to be your friend. And he's a good friend to have. So, we're getting ready to close out this segment. James, I really want to thank you for coming on tonight. I know you, you have a busy schedule and that you're filming tonight as well. So I really, oh yeah, we're I, filming. Yeah, I really, really appreciate you taking time out before that to oh, come my and pleasure. do this for Thanks us. Thanks for having me. It's been a Anytime. Anytime, buddy. Glad you know that. Back. Yeah, we'll definitely yeah. have you back when your your newer films come out, and definitely, you'll probably have about twenty more in production ready to go. <laughs> right. And everybody, you are listening to Shock Treatment with Mad Mel and Maddie. And that rounds off our last interview for our bonus episode of the best of our time at WBOB interview edition. I want to thank all the guests that we had on, uh, Mick, David, Jeremy, and James. You know, we're going to be having you back on again soon uh, for a longer period of time to dive a little bit more deeper into your films and careers. And uh, yeah, anybody out there? You know, check out the gentlemen. We'll get some gentle ladies on soon. And, um, you know, share, support, subscribe to their stuff. And uh, thanks for listening. We'll catch you on the next episode of Shock Treatment with Mel and Matty on the Dorkening Podcast Network. Bye. Thank <laughs> you.